Hi, I'm Arielle Zwim-Ross. I'm the host of Reset, a new podcast that explores the unexpected ways technology impacts our lives. I was the first climate change correspondent on American nightly TV news. And before that, I was a science reporter for The Verge. And I learned that tech isn't just your smartphone or laptop. It's the way we develop new medicines. It's how we compose music. It's our connection to friends and strangers. Tech is changing every day. And when I see those changes, I see worlds I can't wait to dive into and question. These days, every story is a tech story. And we're going to show you why. Subscribe to Reset for free on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Right now, you can hear my conversation with Kara Swisher about our philosophy. And you'll automatically get our very first episode when it drops on October 15th. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is the internet's only college football podcast. If you were looking for another college football podcast, I'm sorry, we're it. You're just going to have to make do. Fortunately, we have everyone's favorite dish on tap for you tonight, and that would be other people's misery. Not yours. I mean, maybe yours, but mostly other people's misery. We promise it'll be something like, at most, 5% your misery. By volume. It's very dystopian to think of a dish being on tap. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even soylent. It's just kind no. of a goo. It's just, hey, here's here's the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> comes, comes right out of the tap. <laughs> Imagine if that meatloaf was, like, uh, imported from elsewhere also, like... We, we we got domestics on tap, but also we got meatloaf we flew in from Belgium. This is craft meatloaf. Meatloaf on tap? Dan, I'm a rat. Tap time! Tap time! <laughs> All right. Well, there's if wherever you had the over-under for first time, we dipped into that. I'm pretty sure the, well, maybe the over one. I'm honestly surprised we didn't start with it, so. Well, Just the other day, I, like I was telling Janine. <laughs> Oh, someone poor, sent us after, after much discussion and she knew the risks. <laughs> praise of Deerdorf and Brandstatter, our Homer Michigan announcers that we listened to last week and thoroughly enjoyed. My favorite thing someone sent me was a replay of a 67 yard TD run by Michigan, where in the middle of it, as Brandstatter is ecstatically, ecstatically describing what is happening. In the middle of it, you just hear Dan Deerdorf go, Oh! And now we all heard it too. Via <laughs> extremely, uh, extremely well-constructed headphones to make sure we didn't miss a molecule of that noise. Just remember, when you're thinking like, gosh, I wish the full cast could sound better and clearer, you'd hear that better. Yeah, yeah. careful what you ask for. My favorite things were uh, obviously the Olmec memes and yeah. also someone changed their handle to Statter and Deerdorf in honor of Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> yeah, just beauty all around. So thank you for participating in that. This week, Jason, we asked the people about, I think, irrelevant. It's topical, but it's also... It's eternal. It's perennial. Every single year, for somebody, misery blossoms from the ground in the form of their sports franchise, sometimes an entire city or state sports franchises, right? Yeah, I think the reason this one popped up is while none of us are Atlanta Braves fans, we associate with many of pe- many people who are afflicted with that particular disease, so... It's you know, like pollen. Witness... It gets all over our cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to avoid. Like, you know, even if you don't want to care about this this franchise, it just it's like secondhand caring, I guess, maybe. But anyway, the the, the topic was pretty fresh in our minds. So we asked on Twitter and my God, y'all have some pain to unload. It's time. Let's <laughs> let's go ahead and let's talk it out. Well, wait, wait, wait. What what happened to the Atlanta Braves? 
Uh, they gave up. Uh, it was I. I saw the text from a Cardinals friend who was really, really trying to talk me into caring about this series. So I was getting score updates from him. Uh, I looked up to discover, hey, your baseball team gave up a touchdown and a field goal in the first inning. So I, I tuned in, saw a home run, and tuned back out. I Is that bad? It seems really bad, and uh, that's about the score they lost by. It's challenging. Don't think of it as bad. It's challenging. Well, that's okay. They'll get game six, right? Um, <laughs> They won't lose game six. I'll give you that. That was Hell the part yeah. I didn't even I didn't really even realize that this was a five-game series. I think we had mentioned this a couple of days earlier because uh, we happened to be near a TV during a baseball game, but I forgot about it by this time. So I was like, why are we so freaked out about losing game five? And then, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so there's not one. Ah, okay. So, you got it. You got there, buddy. Okay. Okay, good. Surely, though, this franchise has, you know – more than one championship to lean back on in modern history. And so recent. Yeah. Sure. And and surely that people of this town will have other things to remind themselves that sometimes sports can bring pleasure, especially in big moments, right? No. This is why if you're going to be a baseball fan, you should just be a Marlins fan. Because the Marlins are always <laughs> very clear. They only have two modes. Championship or tear it all down, 30, 38 games won. Like, they're never going to – there's never like, oh, man, the Marlins blew a postseason. No, they, they're either taking the whole thing or they're just not even participating in the exercise. Other than the, like, major tax grift that goes along with it, it is the most honest form of professional franchising. I mean, who who more than a South Florida franchise would understand the notion of, listen, we're going to be underwater for a while, okay? Then one big score. And then after that, ah, it's going to go downhill for a while. Sorry. Fire, you know, fire fest, the baseball team. The, the Marlins are just pro-Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all or nothing. Except the only difference would be if, if, like, every time Auburn got good, they immediately traded away all their players. Do they? Not? I mean, you know, they would if they could, right? That they is, what, ex- I guess, I guess that was what the NFL draft is in many ways. They also do accept lots of tra- accept lots of trades from, say, Blinn Community College, University of Georgia. Like they're they're wheeling and dealing. Don't get That's me true. wrong. That's true. Let me. You know what? That's can that be our entry point? Because I have a great. Auburn related story because Auburn's pattern in in college football, if you're not entirely familiar with it, is to ruin everything, including their own team and fans' lives. Right? Right. Like when you expect them to pull something off, that's when they don't. When you expect them to lose, that's generally when they kneecap you at the worst possible moment. Right? Yeah, and and not just on a game by game basis. This is a year by year basis. Correct, correct. The other thing, there is one team though that when you think, oh, what a terrible way to live, what a horrible way to be a fan, to exist as an Auburn person and just never knowing where it's going to land. Well, you could be an Arkansas fan, and the team ruining things for you could be Auburn. This is from uh, Spammy Clark on Twitter said that the game that broke him, the one the one game that really had him considering whether to even follow this team or not anymore and to just take up something else on Saturdays, right, was Arkansas-Auburn 2016. I forgot this game. You probably did too. But let's re-examine what happens. He says, coming off a W against a then-ranked Old Miss. Oh, man. It's already misleading, right? Like, hey, we beat <laughs> Old Miss. And they were ranked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's, general... that's, that's when the Antiques Roadshow expert turns to you and say, this is a clever forgery. You can see around the edges here that, in <laughs> fact, this was never truly a ranked team, but really particle board slapped together with a dash of whiskey. Nice try. We fooled you. It's fiction. <laughs> it's not real. We made it up. It's a falsehood. Yeah, that's that's already a bad sign. 
Then he goes, thinking it was going to be a great game. Arkansas got waxed 56 to 3. <laughs> I was so confused and angry. The, conf- the angry part I get. The confusion, that's on you. I'm going to say that a lot this episode, by the way, because I-, I picked a lot of these tweets. And looking at them, I just thought, well, you know, that sucks for you, but that's your fault. It's your fault for hoping. Because a lot of these people, I go, yeah, we knew that was going to happen. And you didn't. Why? What sort of work do you need to do on yourself? Well, what do you need to do with the relationships in your life? Think about them. <laughs> I mean, the the best Arkansas season in recent memory is the 2011 team. Team finishes 11-2. and two. They go into the the Friday after Thanksgiving matchup with LSU. Um, ranked third in the nation, LSU is first. Do you remember the final score of this game? Mm, I do not. It's 41 to 17, LSU. There's some kind of buildup or mathematical effect where the longer disappointment is put off for teams that will inevitably and historically disappoint you, the greater the margin of that disappointment will be, right? For instance, if your team is up to 11 wins and you think, oh man, what could go wrong? It's going to go wrong by 40 points. Yeah, this, this one went south. I mean, the worst part is that Arkansas jumped out to a 14-0 lead. In this game. Well, jumped out. Nobody scored in the first the first uh, first quarter. So they lead 14-0 midway through the second. And then LSU just, like, dumps all over them. There's a Honey Badger has a 92-yard punt return in here. Arkansas only manages one field goal the rest of the game. Jordan Jefferson throws a touchdown pass. True miracles. He also has a 48-yard touchdown run. Like, yeah. So when we when we sent out the call for this, I should have been clear about exactly what we asked for. We asked for the games that made the game that most made you want to just quit on your favorite team forever. Just fuck it. That's it. I'm done. Um and <laughs> Spencer went through all of them and collected a list and the funniest one that i don't think we realized the scars were this deep but that appeared over and over and over was a cincinnati Bengals game is that right uh that is correct that is correct um this i will read the following tweets in sequence because of all the things that we had mentioned in an account which is ostensibly dedicated first to college football the game most commonly mentioned was a 2015-16 season playoff game, the wild card playoff between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. John Ness just just sent us a picture, which was a screen cap of Cincinnati Bengals playoff history. (laughs) That's it. It's just the image. No words. Which, um, the last time, if you don't know, the last time the Bengals won a playoff game was 1990. (laughs) <laughs> the, the the teams the teams they played in that playoffs they beat the the Houston Oilers in mm-hmm. the wild card and then they lost to the L A Raiders in the division. That's how old their wow. last playoff win is. You lost to teams where if you sent the mail there, they'd be like, "Nah, they don't live here no more." <laughs> they haven't lived there in twenty years. No, they're dead. Don't know that guy. Uh, at Keith Buckout. Considered quitting 2017 Kentucky, Florida. If you remember, that's the game, I believe, where Kentucky had two touchdowns scored on uncovered receivers. And, but he says, actually quit 2015 Bengals Steelers wildcard game. User at Sport Shouting says the Bengals Steelers wildcard game with a great parenthetical 2015, not 2009. <laughs> Uh, at MJ Rill says Bengals nuclear meltdown in the 2015 AFC wildcard at Mookie Tufus Bengals Steelers 2015 wildcard what happened in this game I didn't know because typically I don't watch a whole lot of the NFL playoffs 
I remember this game vividly. I remember watching this. Mm-hmm. I had it to look was... it up. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, what do you remember? Let me ask you. Just, you know, by- bystander. What do you remember happening in this game? Um, so the Bengals basically had this game. This was a home game, I believe, for them. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, uh, they basically had the game locked up in the fourth quarter. And through a series of, I believe there's a fumble in here, deep in Steelers territory, where a field goal wouldn't have like won the game, but it would have forced the Steelers to, um, I think they would have had to score a touchdown to win. Uh, uh, I will. They, yeah, go ahead. I, I will. I will intervene. Okay, go for it. <laughs> before any before any of this ever happens, and oh man, there's a lot that goes wrong in this game. All right. Um, there is a 15-0 lead. 15 nothing. Okay. That the Bengals managed to get out to. Despite the fact that the guy taking most of the snaps at quarterback for this game is A.J. McCarron. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. A.J. McCarron is playing quarterback. The other thing that happens is, uh, yeah, they're up and uh, they fumble. Jeremy Hill fumbles deep. And then the following things all happen. By the way, they've also knocked out Ben Roethlisberger earlier in the game. Who knocked him out? Vontae's perfect. Vontae's perfect, yeah. That is correct. Vontae's perfect. Lands on him. Recently, recently banned from the NFL for a season. Mm-hmm. Not and for not for like, hey, you did some crimes or you smoked all the weed. It was just like, you football in a very unpleasant way. Just go chill for a year. Just him go taking relax. out Ben is like the one time he did something right. Right, like he, he actually does several things. He causes another. He gets an interception in this game. And I mean, the one time he like vontes to maximum perfectness, uh, and it actually. Oh wait, you, you you've got this flipped around. The bank the Bengals didn't jump out to a fifteen zero lead. Oh, I'm sorry, the Steelers are the 15-0. Steelers did. So Off this the... was this was this this was a comeback that was looking near complete. Yeah, this is uh, this is by the way after in the same game, Antonio Bryant has the gooch catch. Where he catches a ball against his taint and does a backflip and completes the catch, so it counts. Yeah. Um, already a bizarre game being played in a cold, driving rain for most of the time. Anyway, uh, the following things all happen on the last sequence. Uh, the Steelers get the ball back, and Ben Roethlisberger... How much, how much time is on the clock at this point, and what is the score? Marinated. Be- yeah, I believe it is... I'll what? tell you if you want. It's All right, so it's, it's 16-15... Yes. Uh, the Bengals are leading. The uh, the Steelers start with the ball at their own sixteen with fourteen uh, with a uh, a minute forty three left to play, and Landry Jones is in at quarterback. <laughs> um, and Vontae's perfect picks up a personal foul for hitting. No, nope. no, nope. nope. that's not oh, what happens. I... That's not oh. what happens. Well, I th- okay. Go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll just jump. You in. take I'll the narrative. Take, I'll take it back. Fine. All right. So the Steelers have the ball with less than two minutes to play. They need a field goal to win. Landry Jones throws a pick on the very first play from on this drive. So, and uh, the, the Bengals get the ball at the Pittsburgh 26. There are now, there's a minute 30 to go. I am reasonably certain from memory that Pittsburgh does not have all of its timeouts left. But, like, the logic is pretty sound here. Um, just, like, kill a bunch of time, kick a field goal, win the game. The, in theory, the Steelers may not even get the ball back. On the very first play from scrimmage, Jeremy Hill runs six yards and fumbles... And that's when this Pittsburgh this this Pittsburgh drive starts. So you can pick it up from here. Now Pittsburgh has miraculously gotten the ball back at their own nine with a minute twenty three to play. Mm-hmm. And and you get uh, on this drive, you get a personal foul mm-hmm. to get fifteen yards by Vontae's perfect on uh, Antonio Brown, I believe. Yes. Uh, and then after that, there is a vicious hit. Uh, that is another that ends up with a personal foul on Pac-Man Jones because coming out after the hit on the field is Joey Porter, former Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker turned coach. Uh, Pac-Man Jones yells at him and gets a personal foul somehow 
for another 15 and then game-winning kick for the Steelers. Bengals complete the so-called nuclear meltdown and that's the game. Yeah, this is where – so the, the Steelers go from the Cincinnati 47 with like 20 seconds left to play. They throw this incomplete pass. Thanks to 30 penalty yards in one play, they get all the way <laughs> to the Cincinnati 17 and kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Y'all, like, you put it in the mentions, and um, I agree. 100% awful. Top to bottom. Or as Dan Deerdorf might say, horrible. Horrible. Don't be a Bengals fan. Like, j- just free yourself from that, right? Yeah, don't I do mean, that. Seems that's the idea here. Okay, okay. Shutdown Fullcast is sponsored by Home Field Apparel. Okay, so... Pretty good. Leave that, should we leave it in? Yeah, I think we should leave that in. Okay, okay. If you don't know what these guys do, uh, they make the best college t-shirts like in the universe in addition if you to don't know what these guys do you haven't been listening to the show and what is wrong with you if you don't know what these guys do i'm going to fight you and then after you beat me up you can take the home field shirt off my back and i'll find it eventually it's gonna be real damp and we are sorry about that but you'll want it even then what is so great about them one the designs everything that's right the designs you get uh georgia southern they have a gata shirt with the strutting skinny-legged eagle on it. They've got the old-school Indiana University shirt with their... They, at one point, yes, had a bull mascot. And they will eventually have yours, especially if you bug them on Twitter, which we really encourage you to do. If you say, hey, where's my Northern Arizona gear? I want my Lumberjacks on there. Well, why don't you just go ahead and at them at Homefield, A-P-P-A-R-L, that's apparel with no E, and they'll go ahead and see if they can get a couple of them for you. Right now, Home Shutdown Fullcast listeners can get 20% off their first purchase at homefieldapparel.com using the code FULLCAST. So go ahead, wear one for the team. Wear one for our team. Listen, these shirts are so good, Stephen Godfrey likes them. That guy didn't like fucking anything. Not one damn thing. Sorry and for cussing in the ad, Homefield. We love you. Shop your school at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code FULLCAST for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code FULLCAST. <laughs> Now, there's a pretty good contingent of uh, of Seattle area sports fans in this, by the way. Um, at UW Ferris says, for UW Seattle sports fans, the 2008 Apple Cup was like finding out your spouse was cheating on you the same day you got fired, got in a car crash, and your house burned down. <laughs> Which, to expand a bit more on that, at Shane Deegan says, uh, 2008, uh, we, by that he means the University of Washington Huskies, uh, went 0 and 12, and losing the Apple Cup to 2 and 10 Washington State. That was the year of the infamous Crapple Cup. Uh, the Seahawks went from four straight division championships to 4 and 12. The Mariners became the first team to lose 100 games with 100 million dollars in payroll, and the Sonics left. This makes the Sonics sound wise. I know. Yeah, like especially because they went last. They were like, "Oh no, <laughs> I, I know, I know what a, I know what a haunted house looks like." Why would you move to Oklahoma? Have you seen this? Jesus. Fortunately, everything went great there. Yep. Everything um, went fine. I, I am a little. I guess I don't really fully understand why. If you're, if you're zero and eleven, would it be nice to be a bad Wazoo team? I think that's a Paul Wolf team. In the Apple Cup, sure. Is losing it that like is it that bad at that point? Does it? I I kind of feel like it doesn't matter. I think it always hurts, man. I guess like, that is bad. I mean, your rival taking you to zero and twelve, even yeah. though they suck as well. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess and, that, is, that that is like the literal bottom in a lot of ways. Like if 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 you lose and you drop from like five and seven to four and eight, sure, that's not great. But if you lose this, people remember, like, you, you go to any right. college football fan, you say, Crapple Cup, immediately. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. To go to go um, winless as a Power 5 team is also just really hard to do. And to have it end in this, that's, all right, you've convinced me. I can see it. A lot yeah. of Indiana fans in the mentions here. <laughs> oh, man. Um. I do want to. I do want to pick out this one. This is from Sean underscore ESPN. 
2015 Indiana versus Rutgers. As an IU alum, this game is the perfect encapsulation of what you get when you think Indiana can have nice things. So let's take a look at this um, Indiana football team. Um, so this is a team that went 6-7, and seven, and heading into the Rutgers game was 4-2. and two. They had lost to Ohio State by a touchdown. And they had lost badly on the road to Penn State. But they had beaten a bunch of teams that weren't actually that good. Um, against Rutgers, at home, mind you, not in mighty Piscataway. Um, yeah, you gave up 55 points, but it's not just that. It's that you led in the third quarter by a score of 52-27. to 27, mm-hmm. and, then, and then Rutgers scored four touchdowns. And a field goal to beat you, mm-hmm. Un- unanswered. Off, yeah, off, off three turnovers in the fourth yeah. quarter. This is a pattern, by the way. Just lose early. I will say this for Braves fans: you got efficiency, all right. You got nothing but efficiency out of the team that was going to step on your throat and make you very sad, right? Because you did it in the first inning. You don't get more efficient at a blowout than that. Right? Nothing's like there. Get all your sad out of the way. It's done. Right? The, the Hoosiers at football at least might be the absolute worst team in all of sports at following this rule. Yeah. Like if they're leading Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State or Penn State in the third quarter, it's like, "Oh, this is going to suck." You 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 there is zero doubt they're going to lose if if they're leading a top 10 team or whatever. Like it's been a meme for like 4 years now. Yeah, the Instance in this case, by the way, happens, and I, oh, God, it's so bad. Um, the last three possessions for Indiana are this. Fumble return, touchdown, interception, interception. So all, like, and then punt. So three out of their last four go for 21 points the other way. Yeah. This is... um this is a Rutgers team that, to that point, had only beaten Norfolk State and Kansas. They, uh, was uh, This is also the season where in the middle of like Kyle Flood being the worst amateur spy and eventually getting fired in the middle of the season. So, How'd that work out for him? It's just different, you know. Just different. Just different. They won eight games. Um, Jason, don't, ask, don't, don't ask over how many years. Jason, do you have a non-28-3 answer to this prompt for the Falcons? First of all, it worked out great for Kyle Flood because he's Alabama's offensive line coach. (laughs) Uh, And yes, actually, uh, 28-3, like, yeah, it sucked. It was fucking horrible. But like, I I, sort of, I woke up the next day and like sort of clinically put my mind to like, all right, we are going to see if we have just witnessed the worst loss in the history of football. Pretty sure. You know, and after going through every contender, is like okay, there is zero doubt. I will not hear a single argument to the contrary. There is no argument to the contrary. This was it. Uh, and then you know, started looking around other sports as well. And Brazil, Germany, twenty fourteen. That is the only one I will accept as worse than this. Period. After that, is that specifically because it's in Brazil? Because, like, an entire country poured everything they had for yeah. four years into this, and that's what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, uh, their cr- in, in their house, by the way, in the Americana. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, it's a different kind of loss, but I think, you know, an entire country, four years, all that. Um, however, they have won it before, unlike us. So, <laughs> But once that was out of the way, it was like, wow, I am now invincible. In fact, I will not give up. They will give up before I give up. Like the Falcons are no, like I'm no longer locked in here with them. Right. You know, you're you're, every time they lose, it's hilarious. You are. I can't lose. You are like an astronaut right before they see the alien, right as they see the alien queen and before they die where they're like, my God, it's beautiful. Yes. And now I, now I must go. I'm stuck Uh, in the black hole forever. The great maw, the great maw of the universe itself. Such majesty. The one I wrote down is when I probably came closest to actually tapping out outside of the Bobby Petrino season or the Michael Vick uh, jail experience 
luckily which, all... which were nicely jammed right next to each other. Yeah, luckily we got that all the way out of all out of the way at once. Uh, twenty twelve made the NFC title game lose on a bad pass interference call. The only time in the history of the NFC Championship that an NFC South team has lost on an unjust missed pass interference. It's never happened otherwise. Uh, follow like okay, things are finally looking up. Next year we get a little bit closer, you know, and then we go four and twelve. That next year uh, fell to two and nine in a game in which, stop me if you've heard this, Matt Ryan throws for three hundred yards and gets sacked five times. Hmm. That has been the entire last decade of my sporting experience. I think that was probably the moment where I was like, "This is fucking twenty-eight three. No, after that, I'm locked in. Fuck you. Let's do this. Like, I, I think on top of all this, the thing I can't fathom is also being a Georgia Bulldogs fan because it's arguably even worse just in terms of number of times they've almost made it. Or if you look back at a full season came about bounce away from almost making it like Mark Richt very easily could have had like four national titles. Kirby smart could already have like two, like, you know, but there, this there, is where this is where it's important for me to remember uh, remind the listener that they don't they, they don't sure have don't. any of them. In fact, they don't. <laughs> like there is a non far fetched scenario in which Georgia is Bama, and it is a scenario. It is not real. <laughs> it's a fiction. Oh, there we there feel- is there is a scenario where the Braves have like win like four World Series where the Hawks have like an NBA title or two thrown. No, in that there. one's too far. No, it's not. No. There there are years where the Hawks winning an NBA title was not impossible. No, that's not true. Okay. Yeah, no, it was it was <laughs> they, So so they you won, I will back they won I will like back 62 it. games one year. And they had yeah. to face LeBron. Come on. Yeah. I mean So you can say no. the Braves could have like like something like you know, seven World Series is in the Falcons sure. could have like three or four Super Bowls and, and, and Georgia, Georgia could, could be Bama. Like, yes. And the Thrashers stayed. What and, I'm saying is there is a there You is can't a, put the Hawks in there. Okay, fine. But there is at least a decent scenario where Atlanta becomes the Boston of the South. Sure. Sure. If we get to count Athens and Statesboro. We yeah. do we will. And we do. Yeah, and in that, by the way, the Braves and they made the World Series five times in a decade. They won. <laughs> they won once. Once. That's yeah. so. If you want to know how many times, if you want to know what the average your yield your yield per championship appearance is in Atlanta, it ain't good. It's real bad. Uh, it's got to be like eight percent or something. Eight like percent. <laughs> hey, we're a treasury bond with three percent returns, buddy. Now here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, that does give us a piggyback excuse to talk about the Pirates. We got this from Escalante Brew. Would twenty straight losing seasons for the Pittsburgh Pirates count as one moment? <laughs> and on a like geological scale of time, yes, <laughs> that's true. And the, the worst part about that is, who do they lose the NLCS to? The two years before that that losing streak start, both in Sid, I think it's ninety two and ninety one. When Sid slid, they lose to the Braves. Two two straight losses in the in the National League Championship Championship so, like, Series to these over, Braves. Over the next twenty years after that, one year aside, who's happier, Pirates fans or Braves fans? Um, <laughs> well, they got the Stiller, they got the Stillers on Sunday, so. Who, who's happier in nineteen out of those twenty years? I would, I would argue, I would argue, Steelers fans are more unhappy because the Braves, like, bad things happen to the Braves, but by and large, over the course of that time, they're not horribly mismanaged. They're not cheapskates. The Pirates were like, even for the nineties, very open in the press about being like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to pay any of these dudes. If they're good, they're going to leave, and you should know that. We should all be on the same page." There was no like couched language about well we're gonna make strategic investment blah, blah. they were just like nah man Barry Bonds he's gonna leave because we're not gonna pay him so that's like off-season stuff that makes quitting very justified for the fan right like if they're not gonna try to win why the fuck should I right that's true that's true I don't if know like if, if you're not even gonna have one Marlins year a decade when you announce we have decided to compete I think with, when baseball teams are bad, it's such a there's a real existential kind of angst that creeps in there because the season is so long. If I check in on a football team, 
I don't know. They're bad. You know, a pro football team might be bad for 16 weekends out of the year, right? 16 Sundays, Mondays. Or and Thursdays. they'll probably so, still win three games in there. Yeah. But, man, a baseball team, it's like every time I dip my toe in this water, it, it eats the flesh off my foot. I'm like, well, I'll come back. Maybe the system will get flushed. And I put my finger back in. You're like, well, nope, skeleton finger. River's still just full of acid. You know, there's no real, like... This thing is bad, and it will be bad so continuously and for so long. I will lose all hope, not only in the sport, but perhaps in life and other activities as well. Baseball is particularly galling for this as well because it's such a like statistics and records-based um, culture that when you're bad, your your badness starts to get translated into that. It's not just like we're talking about, oh, this many 30 plus home run hitters. Like when the Orioles stunk this year, it was like, all right. And they're up to 11 straight games, giving up two home runs. That's awesome. They're terrible. It's not like college football where you can say like, oh, if not for this fourth down, we could have made a bowl. Right. Like Like the sample size is complete. You are terrible. There is no argument to the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you could have won 59 games. Great. The other thing is in college football, it, you know, in, in the NBA, if you lose a lot of games, awesome. You get to draft someone from Duke or Kentucky. That's great. You know, in the NFL, tanking is less of a thing. But still, hey, great. You get a new quarterback. In college football, you get a whole new coach. And that actually matters in our sport. That does not matter in the NFL. <laughs> and I don't feel like baseball teams, you really get any kind of a reward for being terrible. Because like your draft picks, oh, cool. We'll see them in six years. And no one cares who your new coach is. B- baseball no. teams, you just know you're going to be terrible again. Yeah, you know, the the when you hit rock bottom, you've, you've got two ways to go. As the song goes, straight up or sideways. Sideways in baseball is very real. <laughs> you could go, if you could just, you could be a 400 team for a real long time. I was thinking the other day, and I was talking in the office here, about um, I would really like a movie about the season after the season depicted in Angels in the Outfield, where the Angels pay all this money to these actually objectively crappy baseball players who were just getting assistance from the Lord and are no longer (laughs) getting that assistance, but now they've dumped, they've like given long-term contracts to dudes who still can't field or hit and just be like, what must that experience be like? That second season where you're just like, what the shit, dude? You can't jump 12 feet in the air anymore. I feel cheated. That's that I call, like I call a, this one. I I call this one. God is dead in the bullpen. Or wow. you could, or you could just call it the Marlins. That's pretty much what the Marlins <laughs> do every like seven years, right? Like, oh man, we've got spirit supporting us the next year. It's like, where has God gone? <laughs> <laughs> this is like uh, Angels in the Outfield is actually about Blake Bortles. Oh. <laughs> Are the Jaguars, did you pull any Jaguars ones, Spencer? I did not. You can share all the Jaguars ones you want because it ties, I, I, I it ties into my yeah. recent interests of going to Jacksonville and putting on <laughs> and putting on an amateurish show. Speaking of, <laughs> surprise podcast business. We're, we're doing a podcast there. Go to 25snakes.com. That's it. That's it. That's the whole business. Um, I don't know if anybody put the Jags. This, the, like, the entirety of the Jazz, Jags' ex- existence has, in many ways to the fans, been a, like, endurance challenge. And I, I, I oddly respect them for persisting throughout it, but um, it's a lot. Mine, a lot. I, I have one that made me... I don't even know if give up was the was the sentiment that this game made me feel, right? If I didn't feel the it, like surrender or despair, I just felt like somebody had begun turning my brain off, right? Like had just sort of slowly short-circuited all my ability to understand anything that I was seeing. And you know what game I'm talking about in advance because it's October 18th, 2014 and Florida loses 42-13 to the Missouri Tigers at home on homecoming. Magnificent occurrence because you assume with a score like 42-13 that Mizzou must have dominated on the stat sheet. Nope. No, they didn't. They had How seven. How many yards four. did they have? Well, it, fun, funny story. Funny story. They had a total of 119 yards. <laughs> what 
100. I, I know the answer and I still can't believe it. Seven first downs for the game. 20 yards passing on the day. And yet, Florida loses by 29 points. Because, and I can't, like, I just, I was there sitting in the stands and saw the entire thing happen. And the person in front of us, when I began, as you can imagine, casually and in a civil fashion suggesting that Will Muschamp get fired, uh, said, why don't you go support the team? You're being such a hater. By the time we were down 20 nothing at the half at homecoming, uh, with Mizzou doing absolutely nothing with the ball, a little quieter about that. And then the third quarter happened where Jeff Driscoll fumbled and it was returned for a touchdown. On the next series, the offense got the ball back immediately with a score of 35 nothing. And I said out loud, Jeff Driscoll's going to throw this for a pick six, which he did. And putting us down 42 nothing at that point. Driscoll then threw a touchdown to get it, or Harris threw a, Tran Harris threw a, a pass because he came in, uh, 42-7, and then immediately threw another interception. So yeah, uh, that's how you lose. Well, Muschamp just broke football. It wasn't like I didn't understand losing. I didn't understand how this was happening in the manner it did when it was by design. This was that's the thing. When a loss like that, where everybody's doing everything the way that they're supposed to, and you're still losing by 29, that's what breaks you. The absurdity of, oh, almost all of this is on purpose. This is the way you built this. Um, if you were a Browns fan, why? Why? Well, now it makes sense. Mm, about well, that, I'm not well. saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it like will continue to make sense. But at least right now, for people who started this season excited and are still like hanging on, like it's not. It's not absurd. It briefly um, made sense yeah. until the season started. You know, I mean, like for instance, if you are uh, Jake Nazar on Twitter said every Redskins loss for the last ten years. That's on you. Why, why are you there? You know, you know what this is. It's a cash sum. There's it's a, just, but there's a weird thing. If if the premise is like what what has got you close to walking away, it's that weird thing where the more you endure, the less any individual thing should be the thing the 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 uh, the thing that breaks you, right? Like if you've already. You know, going back to Arkansas, if you've already lived with 15 years of Arkansas, what is what is what is an extra one or two going to do to you? And once you've done that, what's an extra one or two more? It's emotional sunk cost. Yeah. For the payoff of what? Going to the wild card game and losing to the Steelers? <laughs> In the Bengals case, yeah. I mean, honestly, right now, Washington would love to go to the wild card game. There was a three-tweet sequence by, uh, I think, another fan base that, for different reasons, should maybe have, like, you know, I don't know, a healthy amount of despair. And that'd be Boston College. At Lally PB says, and this is three tweets in a row. We go on a journey with with them. Um, this is regarding a 30-3 to loss to the University of Central Florida in 2011. Heaven forbid we don't talk about UCF. You won this one. You're a really good football team. Congratulations, guys. But bolstered by rumors that are that he goes he tweets a shot of the score and says, "Hey, but it was bolstered by rumors that our head coach tried to punch out the OC in the locker room afterwards." Tweet 2. My god, I'm looking back at the schedule and the first 3 losses were all gut punches, including losing to a Duke team because we missed a 20-yard chip shot field goal wide. We tried on third down instead of running a play to center the ball. <laughs> and then the third one. Actually, yeah, I gave up on this team this year pretty hardcore after that. Thank you for letting me work through this on your Twitter.com account. We're here to help. <laughs> That's what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what is posted, just share your feelings. I feel like we ended up in a good place. What is the worst that you have felt for another fan base while something was happening that had nothing to do with a team you like? That's an open question to the to the rest of you, to the three of you. Hmm. I think my answers 
are mostly the Oregon Ducks. You oh have, my God, the Dennis Dixon season. Yeah, that one jumps out. Also 2010 in a way, like in hindsight, you know, Auburn was awesome. But at the time, you know, we all really loved Oregon too. Uh, it just, Oregon has a lot of those seasons. There, There is a very, 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 very short list of teams that I, <laughs> an Atlanta Falcons fan, look at and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty bad too. You know, and the whole Pacific Northwest to me is on that list. <laughs> I, as long as you don't make too big of a thing about like, I, a Seahawks fan, sympathize because we lost one of two Super Bowls. Because the key word there is one. <laughs> <laughs> the, Got one. Um, the Laquan Treadwell injury at the end of the Auburn game. Oh, oh God. That, yeah. that, is, that is maybe the most like, oh, no. That's the worst single outcome yeah. play combo I've ever seen. And and look, it, we've seen plenty of terrible injuries and we've seen plenty of heartbreaking losses. And I, I honestly cannot recall them happening in the exact same moment like that on that level. Can I, re- can I remind you the team that they lost to and that, of course, ruined everything? It's Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're Auburn. like, who's there? Who's there at the most nauseating single moment combination of factors Auburn standing I like there that, like I like that we've made Auburn like a character in the Stephen King universe who shows up and is like <laughs> you've a debt to pay when I like when I see when I see the bus that's going to only injure me but hit the 10 kindergartners crossing the street with me it'll have a war eagle bumper yeah. sticker on uh, the front uh, of it right Obby, Obby is driving mm-hmm. it Right, yeah, oh, yeah. I can't see with this mask on. <laughs> if there's no one to hit, it's going off a cliff. Jesus, take the wheel. Um, the Mizzou loss to South Carolina was pretty rough as well. The 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 one that clanked off the upright. Oh, they can no, they can deal with it. I only have one answer, and yeah. it's for it's <laughs> okay. for the because no one in the SEC really deserves extended pity. Sure, land of the damned. <laughs> you all know what you signed up for. Woo! Right. I have no pity for any of you. You know this deal. <laughs> the one the one fan base I have extended. Even Kentucky's off the schneid now, right? Because they beat us. So, yeah. Whatever, y'all. You big boys. <laughs> Let's put those plasters in those boxing gloves, strap Some, them on, and cheat so, like the rest of us. Somewhere Vanderbilt's like, but we... We're like, shut up, you're rich. Yeah, you're rich. You got a law school. Uh, the The one fan base I have deep pity for and i've seen multiple games where i thought i don't know how you're all not actually dead from sorrow is indiana because they get close because they've had so many games where you go oh man it's the fourth quarter they're right there (laughs) and even i fall for it right yeah sure right i'm right there like maybe they're gonna pull it off y'all they don't they just don't they never they never the corner is never turned in my lifetime. Maybe the best Hoosiers coach of all time when they had things going and you thought, man, Terry Hepner's really going to pull this off. I don't have to make this up. He got brain cancer, right? That's <laughs> I feel bad for Indiana because I'm convinced there are forces beyond our control influencing the outcomes there they're just at the confluence of a lot of really terrible factors that always put them almost there and then not forget illinois the deal with illinois is just non-existence despair it's just never occasionally you might get that weird sugar bowl season sure you might get to the rose bowl even it's what a miracle ron zook is as a human and as a coach but with indiana just always being on the edge of a low simmer. I feel bad for y'all. <laughs> yeah. And like 19 years from now, when Indiana finally beats Ohio state, if the internet f- still exists, we're all going to lose our fucking minds, man. Oh, finally we did it. We all did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want and uh, to make it clear, by the way, I want good things to happen for Indiana. I really do. Mm-hmm. I do for Indiana football, at least not the state the state can y'all are on your own. Spencer, you're a daredeviling, freewheeling father of two, correct? Correct. And I'm a uh, high-flying, barren career woman, correct? Mostly correct. Both of us still have reasons to pick up life insurance along the way. Absolutely correct. You're extremely old. 
That's true. And also accident prone and fond of risky activities. And you don't love healthy anything and you are going to need something to leave to your ill-considered spawns. Not only that, I'd like him to ball out, you know? Yeah. As a result of my death. If, if it can do, if the misfortune of an earlier premature departure from this world could do any good whatsoever, I'd prefer it to be in the form of cash to help my kids get a little bit further in life and also buy an ATV or two. Correct. Uh, for example, I don't have anyone in my life who loves me, but I also want to be able to eventually leave my fortune, which I will accrue through blogging, to a stranger, to an orphan, perhaps, a foundling, my ward. You could leave it and be the mysterious benefactor. I could leave it to you, but you'll be dead for a long, long time already. That's true. And if I'm not, I'll just blow it all on hats. Anyway, uh, where do we get life insurance? Ethos Insurance can make sure your family is taken care of because things don't always go according to plan. You need to be prepared for the unexpected. Check them out at ethoslife.com slash shutdown. Don't put off getting life insurance. Ethos can set you up with a personalized plan that's best for you and your budget, and you can do it right from your computer or your phone. Just answer a few basic questions online, and Ethos will handle the rest. You can get started by going to ethoslife.com slash shutdown and clicking on check my price. Again, get a fully personalized quote by going to ethoslife.com slash shutdown. Can we, um, should we talk about 13.9 at this point? Oh my. We don't have to. I would, I would say, by the way, when we ask people for answers to this question, no one said, mm-hmm. The 2007 West Virginia Pit game. Nope. <laughs> nope. Just got a score. Just multiple instances of people typing in three numbers and a dash. 13-9. Is this one a little bit of a conflict of interest for us as uh, stated Pit fans? Seeing as this is the most Pit game of all time. It is I guess, I guess a conflict of interest for our group entire, if not necessarily every individual here. I think we're all compromised and we should just bypass it by pointing to it, okay, shaking okay. our heads and moving on. You know what? Let's pass it like Mountaineers passing Mr. Green Boots on Everest, right? Crop, just- crops, don't, crop, crops don't grow there. Don't plant. I would, uh, I want to go down. <laughs> it's been rough. Like I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that reactions vary greatly by age group among fan bases, right? He was saying that UGA fans were the most arrogant fans. And I said, well, how old were the fans you were dealing with? And he said, well, they were all about my age. And this guy was about 55. And I thought, oh, okay. So they remember a championship, right? So they have a much different attitude. The younger UGA fans I know are like, oh, man, it's 28-27. Woo! Let's not just lose this thing. Like, they're, <laughs> like most, most of the UGA fans are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Whereas I think older UGA fans having frozen their lives in 1980 and 81 they just you know they're like well we'll be back there right other uga fans are like that's cool this sports car is going off the road and into the wall at any minute right this is kind of true of nebraska fans right because nebraska's had some very yeah they've had some their older fans are always waiting for a return to greatness right and Younger fans, younger fans are like, it'd be really cool if we won like, you know, 10 games. That'd be cool. We'd like that. Because they remember things like the memory of Hardy Wallbanger, who said, Texas Tech 70, Nebraska 10. Full on Callahan. This was 2000. Well, I, 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 well wait, wait, wait. You're, you're not suggesting. Uh, surely the coach responsible for that on the Nebraska side doesn't work in football anymore. He is currently the interim head coach for the Washington Redskins. Weird. It's wild. Wild how this keeps popping up, y'all. Um, yeah. Well, this... surely, surely, surely the coach they fired to get to him has since floundered and failed, right? Well, <laughs> about that. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. This was... Um, this has one of my favorite stat lines ever because Joe Daly, 
Uh, Joe Daly is ineffective and throws for about 187 yards, one TD, one interception for Nebraska. And he's replaced by a guy named Bo Davis. I haven't heard of Bo Davis. There's a reason for that. He went one for eight, had 12 yards, and threw four picks, averaging 1.5 yards a completion. Yeah, that's that's what Bo Davis did. Meanwhile, on the other side, oh, I don't know, you got a prime Mike Leach team, 2004, rocking and rolling. They score 70 points. Do you think that a lot of those came early, right? No, 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 no. They score 28 in the fourth. So do, do the math. Do the math. When they were up 42 to 10, you know, in his own words from the game, we were just trying to play efficiently. <laughs> 28 points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Texas Tech defensive end Adele Duckett from the AP recap. The last nine minutes took forever. Everyone got involved. It was good stuff. <laughs> I'm going to rupture something. This is magnificent. Whew. Oh, dear. Yeah, Nebraska's had some moments, including, by the way, there was, it's not worse, but it's kind of worse. Kansas hung 70 on them, too. Jesus. Did yeah. uh, Ryan, did you have one for the Tampa Bay Bucks or New York Knicks? Um, never been, you're, never been a Knicks fan. Your so, beloved so, New York Knicks. So haven't, haven't had that as an issue. Um, I don't know if I had a, I mean, growing up, the Bucks were terrible. So it, there, I didn't really have any understanding that they could not be. And when they won the Super Bowl in 2002, it was just sort of like, oh, yeah, huh. but, <laughs> but it wasn't that long after that, that I left Florida and like, I don't know, man. The idea of like I'm going to be a Bucks fan in New York City just feels like it sends a lot of <laughs> bad signals out to be, especially when you're moving here and you're like, it's not like I'm moving with several Florida friends. It's like I have to meet new people, and I don't know that I necessarily want to be like, yep, this is my Bucks shirt, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone knows you as Bucks guy, right? Yeah, like that's uh, you know, Bucks guy. <laughs> Hey, it's Bucks guy. I really just, I understand that now that it's been spoken into the universe, people will tweet at me, Bucks guy. And I hate that. Um, I'm fun. Call me guy. I'm a fun guy. Call me party Nickerson. (laughs) That's so dated. You went so far back. I'm so fashionable. Call me Derek looks. I hate that. I've already threatened to kill myself so many times on this show this season already. Sap like time. I saving it for this one. <laughs> um. So no, I don't. I don't think there was any particular. The the funniest moment um was definitely when the Bucks. I think at the time blew the biggest lead, maybe in Monday Night Football history. It might have been something specific <laughs> like that to the Colts to Tony Dungy and the Colts. I think this was the first game Tony Dungy had. Uh, been back to Tampa for since he had gotten fired by Tampa and taken the Indianapolis job um, in a game and just like in Tampa blew the stupid lead briefly thought they had blocked the game winning kick, but um, somebody got called for leaping if memory serves. And then, uh, yeah, that was, that was just funny and bad, especially because it came so quickly after the Super Bowl. I think it was the next year if I'm, remembering correctly but yeah. yeah things got bad fast yeah you know they i would say they reverted to bad reverted, fast okay. yeah i think that's what it really is is that and you know um our buddy action cookbook has a podcast that of course i'm going to remember forget the name of i think it's called circle seven seven seventh circle seventh, seventh circle, circle podcast. podcast um and i was on i was on that with mark ennis talking about tampa franchises generally and, like, man, this is the same franchise that, like, Bo Jackson told them, do not draft me. I will not play for you under any circumstances. They took him with the first pick, and Bo Jackson meant it so seriously that he just didn't play football that year and got redrafted the next year by the Raiders in the seventh round. Like, usually when a, when a player pulls the Eli Manning, you know, hey, it's not happening trade me you do the bucks are the only franchise that has been like all right 
Let's see this through to the ah shit. Well, <laughs> guess you're serious. You're playing for us. No. No. Bojack. Think about Bo Jackson was the original Bartleby the Scrivener of the NFL, right? It was Bartle like him and Bo. Yeah, Elway did. Elway did it. To be fair, Elway. Elway did yes, not. Yes, Elway. Elway did it as well. But but Elway got traded as a result. Yeah, he got traded. Bo just did the. I would prefer not to. <laughs> Which again, do you know what that? Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? To return to an earlier theme, that's Auburn ruining something for someone. <laughs> the Bucks were already ruined. We can't put that on Auburn. I have one note. Um, which is the trade of a player. Um, this is from at TC Internets. I think it doubles as a fine instance of like Midwestern parenting. <laughs> the day that Dollar Bill Wirtz traded Chris Chelios to the Red Wings, I cried in my living room and told my dad I was done with the Blackhawks. He laughed at me and told me this was nothing and that I wouldn't be quitting this stupid team. Then he told me to shovel the driveway. <laughs> Your son is sitting there in the living room like, I'm never doing this again. You're like, shut up, idiot. Go show the driveway. You're here forever, so start cleaning up. I'm going to remind you. That sounds like to the non-Midwestern mind, that sounds like, oh, you're punished for being a baby. But in the Midwestern dad's mind, that's like, well, let me give you something fun to do. (laughs) Go shovel the driveway. It'll be great. Kids will love it. Fresh air. A little bit of exercise. <laughs> Back time! <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's one on here that I don't really want to get into a ton because it scares me. This is from Illini Memphian. This is all it says. 2018 Senior Day, Iowa 63, Illinois 0. <laughs> I think the thing is this. If you are a bad... If you are a bad team, you should not do homecoming. You should not do senior day. You should not have any special days on your calendar because they make losses like this. Like they add a a a little boost of unfortunateness. Like Spencer remembers that that Mizzou Florida game was homecoming. The specific day when the university says, "Hey, those of you who have graduated and would like to relive memories, come." We're having a festival. And then that happens. Same thing with Senior Day, where you're like, hey, to honor the members of this football team who have worked the hardest and put the most time in, we'd like to honor them. Iowa 63, Illinois 0. Like, I think if you're bad, I, I want to give you permission to be done with festivities. No more Family Day. You don't have to salute the military. You can every week can just be like it's it's plain unflavored yogurt week. It's unflavored week. They're all none of them are special. None of them are distinct. This happens to Tennessee every time Peyton shows up. By the way, <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't is... going to bring that up, but yes. Oh God! But it's so fitting. That's so sad. Oh, I, feel, I know. Right. I, I feel bad. I feel bad now. No, you don't. I Calm do. down. Just for just because they're like, hey, Peyton. Oh no. With happiness comes sadness. Um, I want to go back to Arkansas for a second because they have another great recent example of their trajectory as a program. And again, it's against Auburn, ruiner of things. Um, Maybe my favorite handle on Twitter, at This Is Hog. Arkansas 20, Auburn 52 in 2017. Arkansas had possession for nine minutes in the third quarter and still managed to give up 28 points. <laughs> this is, I want advanced stats in football, but the advanced stat I want most is the team that held the ball longest while giving up the most points. I want the team that that basically was like, yeah, our offense is a really ineffective tourniquet. The most ineffective tourniquet, I want to know whose team that was, because man... That is a stat. You managed to control. Yeah, I I really like soccer games like that, where you're like, this team had position 70% of the time and took 30 shots on goal, and this team scored five on them. And won five. (laughs) Five five one. (laughs) Five one. Five one, man, you. 
That's that's tip that's typically how it goes. Yeah. I they had they scored 28 in the third quarter despite only having 6 minutes to do it. That's that's awe-inspiring efficiency and I really do think being an Arkansas fan is the hardest thing in the SEC at this point. It's a bad lot. It's a hard pull, right? Because, like, 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 who are the contenders? Vanderbilt, you know what you're getting into. Kentucky, basketball. South Carolina, you went to the SEC championship not that long ago. Um, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, you all have um, – most of you have a national title within – the fan base's life, Georgia. If you, if Georgia, you're saying, pushing it. Well, Georgia, you're you're like not in a position to complain right now. LSU and Bama and Auburn, you all have titles. Um, Texas A&M, you're rich as shit. I know I forgot Mizzou, but you're also there in the East. Um, the Is Miss- it like the, the Mississippi's? At least you have each other. Yeah, the Mississippi schools yeah. you get to you get to ruin each other's shit, and that's. But like Arkansas is kind of out there alone. They're closest, I guess, they're most closely tied to LSU, who they are not close to in terms of, like, trajectory. They, yeah, it's just, it's hard. They're, like, the peak moment for that program historically is the game of the century that they they lose. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, you know, against Texas in, what, 1969? Yeah, that's the, the, that's the historical yeah. peak of the program right there. <laughs> You do have a split title with Bama that I think you have the better case for, but otherwise your second biggest moment involves Richard Nixon. Yeah. It's it's just it's challenging. And if you are still hanging in there as an Arkansas fan, like good job. Arkansas is the weird guy that lives in the woods of the SEC, right? Arkansas has no friends. I think the whole SEC lives in the woods. I think Kentucky They're takes genuine guys. offense to that. <laughs> no, they live in the hills, the ho- like the holler. But Arkansas okay. just lives out. Arkansas just lives lives out lives in the in woods. What, the bog woods. You want to be my friend? Did you just make <laughs> Arkansas boo Radley? I did. <laughs> I'll sleep in the ditch. It's fine. It's good over here. It's cool. I'm just that is fitting this- because Scout Scout has the ham costume. I'm just going to put on this Ahmad Batman Carol jersey. It'll keep me warm. 